Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. Welcome to another episode of So Mind-Boggling Journeys. I'm your host, Bettina Goolsby. I'm an actor and dreamer slash creative continuing to go after my dreams. So much of this journey is just so mind-boggling, hence the title, for either reasons of utter disappointment or the manifestation beyond what I could have ever imagined. Follow along as I check in with other creatives along the way and learn what so mind-boggling things they have to say and what it's like pursuing the dream while living the in-between. Hey y'all, thanks for tuning in. On today's episode, I speak with Kibi Anderson. Now we met while both working at ABC News. We were introduced to each other through Haria Muhammad, who you may remember from season two, episode one. Kibi has such a varied background. She has worked in business strategy and operations at ABC News, digital strategy and business development at Bloomberg, president of the Red Table Talk with Westbrook Productions, chief operating officer at Black and Sexy TV, and she's also an Emmy award-winning film producer. And now she has added executive coaching to her repertoire through a company she created called Life Editor. She has seen and done it all, having worked in both corporate and in the arts. I wanted to speak to Kibi because as I look at how far I've come, I also see how far I still want to go, and figuring out a game plan seems more paramount than ever. What better person to talk to about navigating the waters of dream pursuit and actualization and strategizing for the future? This is the perfect time to rest, reflect, and reset as we wind down on 2022 and look ahead to 2023. Listen in as Kibi talks about protecting the gift and editing the self-limiting stories that we tell ourselves. Here is Kibi Anderson. Thank you. Today I have Kiwi Anderson with me, who is just like the multi-hyphenate of all multi-hyphenates. Kiwi has a background in management consulting, in technology, digital media, film production. I mean, the list goes on and on. And now her new chapter is she is doing coaching. She's doing executive coaching, but also coaching for artists. And so that's why she's here with us today. Kibi and I know each other from the corporate world, working in television. And then, you know, Kibi became one of the founding board members for the Black TV and Film Collective, a wealth of knowledge and background from being the president of the Red Table Talk, from doing digital media and strategy with Bloomberg Media. The list goes on and on, Kibi. And where you and I met, which was at the old ABC Disney stomping ground. So Yes. <laughs> and then here we are today. So thank you so much for yes. joining. I'm so excited for you in this new incarnation. So first of all, let's have you explain to the listeners how you like to think of yourself and how you like people to think of you and your work. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you, Bettina, for having me. I am, first of all, so proud of you and what you are building with this, your heart of service and your heart of, you know, just hope in terms of creating a softer place for artists to kind of navigate and understand that this journey is not an isolated one and it is not intended to be only challenge. And so what are the things that you can do to sort of tap into those techniques and mindset and everything that you're talking about just to make sure you're staying connected to the joy and the gift and the spark that everybody here. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. You know, it's interesting. People ask me this a lot because I do have a lot of different hyphens and a lot of different experience, but I always lead with just 
describing myself as a storyteller. That is my roots. That's where I came from. And my love of storytelling really is the thread that kind of connects all the various things that I've done professionally. I, as you shared, currently am working as an executive coach focused around talent development, helping leaders and visionaries really access and and perhaps um, unlock any elements of their spirit, their mindset, their understanding to really activate their fullest potential. And I came to that job and just this work because of the stories that I was telling myself, you know, and a lot of my mindset work is around this concept that the stories you tell yourself matter. And when it comes to leadership and when it comes to being a creative visionary, you have to make sure you're telling yourself a story for the season that you're in. And now my company is called Life Editor, and it's not a surprise that it has, you know, sort of film production elements at its core because I actually you know, like I said, started as a storyteller. And when I think about the role of an editor, it's so powerful because depending on the editor, you can have a set of scenes tell completely different stories. And depending on the season you're in, you might need to edit that in story. So if you're coming out of an experience, perhaps that required you to leverage a certain level of skill or a certain mindset or a certain approach, and that created success, that's awesome. But if you've moved into a new season, if you've moved into a new phase, if you've had to level up in perhaps something that you're doing professionally or a way you're approaching life, and you're still telling yourself a story from that previous season, that could be why you're stuck. So, so much of my work is focused on making sure that the stories you're telling yourselves are appropriate and conducive to the success that you're trying to have now. And happy to dig into that a little bit more during the, the talk, but it's all it all stems from my, like I said, passion for storytelling and being a storyteller myself. So all of those experiences led you to Life Editor. And one of the things that I loved that you had featured on your page was, well, I'm quoting you, and you said, it will never be any job that you ever have that causes your elevation. Being disciplined in this self-work is what actually sets you up for ultimate success. And that stood out to me. Yes, girl. That stood out to me. And yes. I, yeah. And I was just thinking, you know, it's so true. Like, so I'm applying this as an actor, right? It's like, you kind of think like, oh, when I book this gig or that gig or, or if I could only book this or book that. But what I find is like, even when you do book these individual gigs, I mean, it's great for those, for that moment. And it's great for the experience and the, you know, the credit and all of that. But then it's like, it's almost like when it's done, then you're kind of left again with yourself and then you're back on the hamster wheel. And I feel like now I'm at this point in my life where I'm I'm like, okay, what could I be working on that would actually have a little bit more footing, right? More footing and something where it's like I'm controlling it a little bit more. I'm having a little bit more input and control over my career and life and such. And so I thought, what better person to ask than you who's worked with all different types of people, artists and corporate. So what are your thoughts on that? That idea of like, at the end of the day, it's really up to us and our own discipline and goals. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, you that's the word, you know, and I think that's why I said it. And listen, whenever I say those kind of things, I'm talking to myself more than anything, <laughs> you know, so I don't profess to be an expert. But I will say, to your point, a lot of my understanding about this specific topic in particular, this idea of the insatiability of success. Like you said, you get the thing, you get the job, you get the experience, and then you think, okay, this is it. Like now I will have had the, you know, level of access, money, you know, prestige, all the things that you want. And then you get there and you're like, oh wait, that didn't happen. And I did that over and over and over again. I mean, I was one of those people who was, you know, like self-proclaimed overachiever. Like I, for many years of my life, kind of equated my success with achievement. And 
over the process of me falling and realizing, okay, Kiwi, there's some other things going on here because there's no level of achievement that can really address the core problem, which was self-worth, <laughs> really understanding that my existence is not dictated by what I do, but just my simple presence, my being, this idea of being versus doing. And that internal work is really what allowed me to grow, is really what allowed me to thrive. It wasn't getting the jobs. It was actually taking a step back just from the rat race and kind of examining my feelings, like asking, okay, what is it? Like, what is it that is driving this behavior that is not actually making me feel good? And that internal work is really what allows for the ascension. And I, I made that point because I was talking about a huge failure that I had, you know, and how in those moments of failure, we can oftentimes want to look externally. Oh, well, is that person's fault? Or it's this thing that happened? Or well, I can't, all the stuff that you sort of can't control is what you tend to focus your energy and time on. But the truth is most of the growth that allows for the elevation is you turning inward and looking at the things you can control. And in those cases, it's like, okay, well, what did I do to contribute to perhaps that failure? Or what didn't I do? But then understanding that that lack of control is something you can't do anything about. So why are you putting so much emphasis on that? But just really beginning to sit through that feeling that happens when you're getting developmental feedback from people that love you and they're telling you stuff that you don't want to hear, but you know you need to hear. And then sitting with that, you know, we have a hard time, especially as artists, because we are sensitive about our shit and I'm not, I'm being real. You know what I mean? So when you, whenever you start to hear anything that makes you feel a little concerned or fearful or perhaps um, hurt because you, you know, it's, it's hard to put your heart out there. I get it. The reality is the only way you grow is if you can sit in that discomfort really take the lesson and then move forward because that's where the elevation comes because it's only in mastering and understanding the behavior that you're doing and then deciding to change it that you are able to then have a breakthrough. And it's not rocket science. It is very hard though. And that's where a lot of my coaching work comes into play, especially with artists, because we can get caught up in this mindset where we think we don't have control. As you just said, like, I don't have control. Like, I don't, I feel like all of my existence is based on what somebody else says, me getting a yes, if I'm an actress, me getting, you know, a green light, if I'm a director or writer. And the truth is, yes, that is one component, but that's like 10% of it. Because the truth is you actually have great control over the things that can influence your growth. It's the growth that drives the ascension. It's interesting when you say that. So I'm working through, you know, all of my kind of junk, right? I'm doing this program called The Artist's Way. It's a 12-week program where you kind of like excavate all the things in your life that has affected you and brought you to where you are today. And so that was a really big one when you just said that like so much of your self-esteem and self-worth was tied to achievement. And it's like, that was my whole, that was everything for me. It was like what grades I was getting, what school I was going to, what I was doing, you know, in terms of like field of study and industry and all all of that. I just got to a point where I felt like, oh my gosh, I, I'm in the wrong hamster wheel. Like I'm, I'm doing these things that I actually don't care about, you know? Yeah, it's a lie. It's a lie. Coming to that realization and being honest about that and, and knowing that my worth is not attached to achievement, it still makes it hard not to still focus on achievement. So when that's all you've known for so long, how do you then start to step away and what becomes the metric for growth if you don't want to tie it to achievement and accolades and success and, you know, all the things? Well, I think, I mean, I think that can be an individual journey for each person. You know, we're all different and we're all driven by certain things. I think that when you take a step back and when you start asking yourself the honest questions, like, well, what is it that really matters to me? And if it's a 
achievement. Okay. That's okay. But it's about putting it in its proper place. There's nothing wrong with being an achiever. I still want to be successful. Like I still want to, you know, win awards and I still want to make a lot of money. I mean, those are still things that are still a part of me, but I've just put them in their proper place. And that's really what this journey is about. The way that I was able to do that was really getting in alignment with my purpose. You know, I had to really ask myself, okay, beyond all of the things that I'm out here working for, I'm busting my butt over here and, you know, doing all this work, setting up companies, you know, producing film, like, but what, why am I doing this? And I think that's the place to start when you were trying to get in better alignment with your purpose, why? And for me, as I sat back and I began to look at all the things that I was doing, the answer became, you know, I actually am doing all this stuff because I want to have an impact on changing the narrative about intergenerational wealth for Black folks. And for me, the way I articulated that in like a very clear and specific vision was, okay, you know what? There are not a lot of billionaires in this world that are Black, And I kind of did some research (laughs) and I was like, of the 2000 or so, 2005 or so billionaires, like 10 are black, which basically is like less than like 0.1%. Now, if you counter that with the fact that black folks between music, fashion, I mean, you know, industry, culture, I mean, we have created so much value, trillions and trillions and trillions of value for this world globally. And the fact that we are only less than 1% of the billionaires was, was like, no, that's not okay. So I was like, okay. So I actually want to make sure that what I do before I leave this earth is have an impact on creating 100 black billionaires on this planet. And that was just a way for me. I'm a data person. So I was like, okay, I can, I can see that because A, we got 10. So going from 10 to 100, that's going to take some time. And again, a vision, a purpose is usually something that will outlive you. As I began to do that, it just helped me put everything into an alignment. And so I was like, okay, so this is where my coaching comes in. Because in order to create billionaires, mindset matters. You got to be able to withstand these things. You got to be able to know what, what rooms to be able to access. You know, you got to be able to overcome the racism and the sexism and the no's and the, you know, all the, the, the negativity that you're going to get in this journey. Boom, coaching makes sense. Okay, I'm working, you know, with my husband on a company that he owns, a streaming platform. Okay, I want to be a billionaire. And one of the ways that billionaire status is achieved is via ownership, really. It's ownership of a company or ownership of real estate. And I figured, okay, I need to be an owner. So that helped me then decide the kinds of projects, the kinds of jobs that I want to do. I was like, I can't be working for somebody right now if I want to be an owner and I want to walk in that purpose. So that's what allowed me to shift. Okay, I need to think about my professional career more so as an owner as opposed to a worker, which for the first 20 years of my career, I was working for people. So that was a shift. So I'm just giving you an example of kind of what my process was. And then once I got that clarity, everything kind of fell into alignment. It was like, boo. And then the need for me to be healthy came into alignment because one of my challenges that I've dealt with over the past kind of 10 years is an autoimmune condition that has literally destabilized my whole life. And, you know, we can kind of go into that in another conversation. But the whole point was I came to the brink of death because I was not resting and I was not giving my body a chance to have the recovery and the time that it needed because I kept telling myself this lie that I don't have time to rest, you know, and it's all built in the sense of worth and all of the issues that I was having to excavate. But the reality was I was forced to sit down to rest just because my body gave out and I had to take like a six month pause. And I do a lot of talking around this called the power of the pause now because I'm a big advocate around rest. But again, even that was about getting me in alignment because I had to say, well, Kibi, you ain't going to be able to help no billionaires if you can't get out of bed. Like if you can't walk, like if you can't, you know, do all the things, go and talk and go and teach. So it also helped me understand the importance of rest. So once I got that why, everything sort of fell into space and into its proper place. And I think that's the journey. And in order to get to that why, you've got to really start asking yourself those internal questions. What am I here for? And then allow that to drive your actions subsequently. 
I like that idea because then it does, it takes it outside of yourself and gives you something else to really push towards. Because what I find is that like when thinking about what I want to see out into the world or, you know, or the difference I want to make, it's kind of like, you know, I'm up against questions of like, well, why me? And am I really tasked to be able to do that? Do I, am I really equipped to be able to do that? Is that too big of a dream, too big of a goal? And I hear you talk about this, you know, 100 black billionaires idea. And it's like, how do you, since there are only 10 now reportedly, how do you move past that realm of what we think is really possible based on what we see? My process around just kind of giving over to the self-limiting the beliefs is always starting with the understanding or the premise of if I haven't seen anybody not do it, or if I haven't seen an example of somebody never having done it, then it's possible. You know, and I think about this even in terms of a black president, like some people are, you know, would be like, there's no way we're going to have a black president. I'm like, why? Like, we've never not had one. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, and, and, it, and it may sound a little counterintuitive, but like, what is the reasoning? Do you know the future time? Like, do you know the, the future of history? <laughs> like, you know, it's about beginning to ask better questions to begin to unpack the limiting belief that you're placing on yourself. Like, who told you that? And then beginning to examine, well, what gives them the credibility to determine what you are capable of? It's through this work that I do with folks around changing perspective, you know, and really beginning to examine some of the experiences that people have had that are actually driving the self-limiting belief that, that they are dealing with and then beginning to unpack, okay, well, what may have driven that person to create that experience for you and what didn't they get? So if there's a way for you to actually supplement the things that perhaps they didn't get, that they were not able to give you, then we can begin to start changing the mindset. You know what I mean? So I sort of see it as like a twofold thing. There's definitely the self-limiting belief, which is part of it. But I think it's also, like I said, purpose is typically bigger than you. Like if you think about it, like purpose is usually bigger than you. And I think if you can take your perspective and shift it so it's not all about you, it just makes the ability to move through the fear a lot easier. And I say all that to say, if it was all about me, then when I confronted something that was scary, it's a little bit easier for me to be like, okay, well, no, no, I can't do that because I'm worried about you know, what that person may think or I'm worried about being seen as a failure. But when I shift my mindset and says, and I think about the, the other people, my 100 black billionaires, if I don't do this, then my ability to make sure that there's another billionaire before I leave this earth doesn't happen. And so it just, it just takes the fear away because I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for this broader purpose. And that shift, even subtly, is what allows people to kind of take those baby steps to begin to kind of shift the mindset. Mindset shifts don't happen overnight. I mean, this takes practice. You know, we are literally programmed to think first about the negative impacts of something that we do because we are programmed to survive. We're programmed to survive. So it's not, you know, a normal or atypical when I meet people who are struggling with the negative mindset because we are programmed. I mean, our bodies are literally programmed to get a sensation. And if the sensation produces any sort of negative feeling, fear, you know, worry, shame, we will do whatever it takes to push it away because we don't like that. And it's because of biological programming, like our brains are wired. Back in the day when we were sitting in the grass, you know, living on the prairie land <laughs> and there was a rustle in the grass, that could be a lot of things. But typically you would immediately assume it was a tiger coming to eat you because if you didn't, you would die. It's just human nature. We are programmed to survive. And so that habitual pattern of like here, rustle in the grass, tiger, run. Like that was it. The unfortunate truth is today 
we have a lot of things to to battle that tiger. Like we got guns, you know, we can put them in cages. We got, you know, tranquilize. We got a lot of stuff that we can do to battle that tiger. But our emotional wiring is still triggered that when you hear grass, when you get that pang of like, I don't know, you're immediately going to think about the negative thing. And so you have to untrain your mind to begin to make a choice because you have agency here. And this is something I tell my clients all the time. You have agency here. You do not have to sit and revel in a space of negativity, fear, depression, shame, guilt, frustration. You can choose a different outcome to believe. You can make a different choice. Now you have to literally go through a process that allows your brain, the impulses in your brain to be stopped, you know, and this is where things like meditation and kind of greater awareness and just like leaning into those things that allow you to get greater mind control so that that habitual thing doesn't happen. And you actually stop at midpoint and begin to ask yourself, Hmm, is this true? Okay, like, is what I'm saying actually true? This is where that curiosity, I like to call it the sage mind. You have the saboteur mind and you have the sage mind. And a lot of these teachings were actually beautifully, beautifully laid out by a coach named Shirzad Shamin. He has a book called Positive Intelligence, which I love. I recommend it to your readers. I use it myself and I use it with my clients a lot. But in essence, he has this idea of you have, we, we all have a saboteur mind and we have a sage mind. And for most of us, we sit in this space of saboteur, judgment overachiever, hypervigilance, you know, all the things, controller, all those things that kind of get us caught up into these patterns. But there's this other part of our brain, which is called the sage mind that we don't activate enough. And if you can understand the processes and take the steps to learn how to do that. And again, it's, it's not an immediate thing, but there is a way for you to build that muscle to choose the inquisitive mind. Okay. Well, how can this be a gift is a real big shift that I encourage people to ask. If you're dealing with something that's frustrating you, Ask yourself, how can this be a gift? And that at least is a shift for you to begin to think through, okay, well, maybe I didn't get this job because the director was going to be a complete a-hole and the movie was going to be horrible and it would have destroyed this particular part of my career. You know, I always say God closes doors that we don't have the courage to close ourselves because protecting us from future harm. And that in itself is about this positive mindset. It's like, hmm, okay, well, maybe there's a reason why that door got shut. It's not because they don't like me. It's not because I'm not good enough. It's not because of some other thing. Now, mind you, that could be true. I don't know, but don't sit in that. Let that be the only thing that you sit in. It's like, there's all these other things that are going on and it's about creating this greater like choice set. (laughs) in your mind that allows for the lifting, that allows for the activating, that allows for you to return to like this gift of creativity that got you there to begin with, you know, and that's the beauty of artistry. And unfortunately the industry and society and everything, it just beats us down. It beats us down. And so it's about that fight individually and collectively doing this in community to reject all that stuff and stay on your course, stay connected to your purpose. And that starts with asking why. So I'm sitting here taking in what you were saying about the saboteur mind and the sage mind and how so much of it is reprogramming. And I know that I try to reprogram through meditation because I felt like I needed more so the awareness of when I was doing those things. I noticed this, I was having a really good conversation with a friend of mine and we were both having a conversation about just different things that we want to work on and different things that we want for ourselves and how we have that, that means we have to make different decisions, you know, when we were having this conversation, 
I, you know, I was saying like, okay, yeah, when I get back to New York, I'm going to do A, B, and C, A, B, and C. And, you know, my, my friend was like, oh yeah, and I'm going to do A, B, and C, and A, B, and C. And I was thinking like, okay, so we really should hold each other accountable and actually do those things. It's so easy to say what we should do. It's like, we know what we need to do, but then something about that day-to-day life, we don't always notice that we're actually making the same decisions and the same choices and the same actions that we've always done. So then your situation doesn't change. That's what I need help on is that like, be conscious of my decisions and my actions in those moments where it's like, oh, you said that you wanted A, B, and C, but then you're choosing E, F, and G in this moment. And that's why you're not seeing change. A lot of times I'm not able to always correlate why things aren't moving. Absolutely. Yes. And just recently, I've been able to kind of have those moments where I'm like, oh, so that's what I'm doing or that's what I didn't change or whatever. And that was like really big for me. And I was like, well, I don't know where that came from other than maybe meditation because it had slowed me down more where I'm able to kind of pay more attention to the present moment. For all of us, like that's the ticket is, is being like, oh, no, right now, that's what... I normally do. That's my normal choice that that's not going to help me make the changes I'm saying that I want to make. Well, you're highlighting a couple of key things. So y'all listen, Patina's dropping knowledge, y'all. One thing, awareness is everything. Like for you to do mindset shifts, it requires awareness. And the awareness just gives you greater ability to then get command of your thoughts. We're so often in like, automatic mode. Like, you know, you get up and you just start thinking about stuff. And the reality is it's only because you've trained your mind to do that. So the more you're able to slow down, whether that be meditation, whether that be prayer, just getting into a quiet space. I mean, the book that I mentioned, Positive Intelligence, Shirzad Shamin teaches this practice called PQ repping. PQ repping. So much like you lift weights to improve your physical muscle, he advocates these PQ reps as a way to build your mental muscle. And they are very short and sweet. Maybe you spend, you know, two minutes doing something to activate one of your senses. Maybe that's like rubbing your fingers together, just closing your eyes and just rubbing your fingers together and just focusing on the sensation. Maybe it's taking a minute into just listening and just literally trying to take in all the sounds. You're only focused on the sounds that are coming in. Visually, you just spend like 30 seconds, just like I can PQ rep with you right now because I'm looking at your eyes blinking. I'm looking at the colors of your face. I'm looking at how your hair is, all of that. That 30 seconds is so powerful because when you do it, and I would encourage your, you know, your listeners to try it, it actually takes you out of the mindlessness of your thoughts and it focuses on one thing. And then you actually are able to get awareness of the fact that your mind is always going. And so, and and this is typically what gets people frustrated with meditation because they'll sit there and then they're supposed to be breathing and focusing and then their mind starts wandering and they get upset because they're, that's the point. That is the point because you're trying to build awareness of the thoughts. Because once you have awareness of the thoughts, then we get to number two, which is seeing how the behavior you're doing because of those thoughts is driving your choices. Because it's very difficult to change behavior without starting with the mind. Like, it's almost impossible. I mean, if for those of y'all who can do it, please email me at kibialifeeditor.co because I want to write a book about it. Because <laughs> it's hard. Mindset literally dictates behavior. 
And if you think about it, if you are telling yourself a story that, oh, I'm not going to get that audition, or I don't want to reach out to that person because they're never going to you know, listen to me, or that person will never do that. It's being driven by thoughts, a mindset, because something in your past happened and maybe you got a little hurt or maybe you got a little bit of rejection. And it's, and now you've programmed your mind to believe that anytime you face that particular challenge, that's what's going to happen. But the reality is that's not it doesn't have to be. And so if you can reprogram yourself to think, okay, wait, there's that thought coming in. You know, I, I encourage people to actually name the voice because we've all got voices in our head. Name the voice, that voice that starts telling you all that stuff. That's not going to happen. Oh my God, you're not good enough. You're too big. All that stuff. My voice is named Chase. Listen, as a hyperachiever, Chase was always telling me to chase, chase that paper, chase that bag, chase that dollar. So I had to get control of Chase. And I was like, ah, Chase, uh-uh, no. Stop. Don't tell me that I don't have time to rest. Like, don't tell me that if I don't say yes to this person, that they're not going to want to be my friend anymore. You know, and that was a lot of my stuff, just overachieving and people pleasing and not knowing how to set boundaries because that was chase. So I encourage everybody because once you get awareness of that voice, then you can tame it. And self-command is the most important first step to actually being able to change your mindset. So you just brought up a couple of key things that are necessary and are practical things that you can do in order to build that muscle over time. Mm, Okay. You know, you had spoken to me also about this idea of protecting our gifts. And so when I'm thinking about what you're saying about this mindset change and trying these, you know, these small exercises to kind of bring us into the awareness of the present moment and our choices and actions, what do you have to say about, you know, using that to also protect our gift and to know what that gift is and to see the value in that gift and to really value it in a way so that other people can value it and, and it can be nurtured and it can, it can grow to its highest potential? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of layers to that, that statement around protecting your gift, but I'll start with this. Protecting your gift is actually about having the courage, trusting that it's okay for you to stop. And I say that because I feel oftentimes artists can get caught up in this mindset. Maybe you're an actress or you're a writer or director. You're like, I got to pitch. I got to audition. I got to. And maybe you're doing it a lot. And for some reason, it's just not happening. You know, I think you share with me on another call where you were just saying, keep it. I was doing all this stuff. I was doing all this stuff. And then I finally just got so frustrated. I was like, well, let me do what's something that I can't do. And you, st- and you launched this podcast, which I think is amazing. And so when I use that as an example, because sometimes the protecting of the gift is actually stopping doing what you think you need to do in order to have the gift be received and do something completely different because it's the preservation. It's this, it's the waiting. It's the pausing. Like I said, this power of the pause, it's that act of trust to be like, you know, okay, maybe this is a time for me to really like get reconnected with this gift of mine, whether it's, you know, for you speaking and, and performing and connecting with people as an actress and hearing people's stories and using those stories as a way to inspire you. If you're a musician, maybe it means you just go back into the lab and just start writing and writing and creating and activating and doing it just for you. The universe is always conspiring for your success. And I don't want to say that in a woo-woo way, because I know there are some people out here who may believe and some people don't. When I say the universe, it could be God, because God is in the miracle business. And sometimes there are people putting names in your name in rooms you don't even know about, you know, doors that are closing and opening. And if you go back into that space where you're pausing and you're nurturing and you're building and you're just feeding you just the gift just whatever that is, not for the external validation, but just for you, the universe is conspiring. It could maybe be a community person. It could maybe be somebody you had a random conversation with on the subway who happened to be like, oh my God, that was, and they're dropping your name and you're going to be then the star of this next you know, production on Broadway or the star of this movie. That happens. 
part of that protecting the gift is this idea of trusting the power of the pause, trusting the power of doing something completely different than you might even be thinking. That still allows you to tap into your gifts, but may not be in a way that you think you need to do it in order to have success. And it's about understanding that the universe, God, people are random. (laughs) this This is a world of uncertainty we live in. Control is an illusion. The only thing you can control is you, and you can control how you share your gift with the world sometimes, and then how you might need to share it with you or for a few people. And so that's something I'll just sort of highlight now. There's a lot of other ways you can kind of protect the gift, but that's a very specific one that I'll highlight because I feel like a lot of people, when they think about and receive that, may feel like it's very counterintuitive. You know, it feels like, well, if I'm not auditioning, then what am I? Sometimes it might just be that you need to be still. And how do you sit with that? That's where that inner work is. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what allows you to ascend. I mean, I think about you and your shift to kind of doing this podcast, and I wholeheartedly believe that this may be the pathway to the next thing that you're supposed to be doing. Like, you just don't know, but being open to that expiration. I mean, I think about so many of my clients who like did one thing thinking that it was this and randomly got into something else or not even randomly trusted it and say, you know what? This has been a calling of mine. Let me just do that. And it became the thing that unlocked their future ascension, you know, to a level of success that they could have never imagined. And it was just entrusting that pause that allowed that to take place. By the time this goes live, we will have come out of Thanksgiving and we'll be like full blown in holiday season, heading into Christmas and with the new year soon after, it seems like the perfect time to gear up for a pause and gear up for rest. And what I appreciate about what you're doing is you have this idea that we should always take rest and always be thinking about rest and not maybe thinking about it like, oh, the the week in between Christmas and New Year's, that's the time to rest because everything else just kind of slows down. You really advocate for this idea of taking regular pauses and rest. And so as we go into this new year, what's a good way? Because, you know, it's so easy to start these new years with like, oh, okay, I got all these goals, I got all these resolutions or whatever. How is a good way to think about just making sure to incorporate the, the hustle and the grind, but also with like periodic moments of rest and restoration? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think this is a key thing for those folks who are starting the year, you know, and full of energy, you know, you got all kinds of resolutions. One of my favorite words to repeat to myself consistently is that consistency beats intensity every time. Consistency beats intensity every time. And what I mean by that is that it is, it's the discipline, it's the consistent integration of principles that allow you to have a sustained healthy life, a sustained artist fulfilled life, a sustained professional life, whatever that is, that is going to beat these bursts of energy that we oftentimes start with at the top of the year. And so as a mindset shift, how do you begin to lean into that premise? And so for me, yes, absolutely rest. I mean, clearly everything's going to shut down between, you know, New Year's and, and Christmas. So take advantage of that, you know, but how do you then make sure that you are incorporating those types of pauses and rests every quarter, every week, every day, because it's important to do rest because that, as I shared, that's where the nurturing comes. That's where the rejuvenation comes. That's where the ideas come, you know, and I could talk for hours on like the power and purpose of rest and all that kind of stuff. But I would do want to say, you know, another thing that I encourage people to do is to think about rest in a different way. Because I think we oftentimes attribute rest to like sleeping or like going on vacation or, you know, very kind of societally sort of, you know, identified ways of rest. But I actually want to redefine rest to this. 
Resting is simply doing something, anything that gives you joy. Basically, you have no tangible result, no return. Like you, It just gives you joy. And the reason why that's important is because it debunks a lot of misconceptions about rest. Oftentimes people think you have to be still to rest. You know, like if I'm resting, I can't be. No, you could be on a boat sitting in the middle of the ocean, enjoying the breeze and having all kinds of rest. You can rest in community. Like you don't have to go sit in a room or go take a trip. You can. I mean, that is a, that is a valuable experience if that's what you need. But you could go take a trip with your family as long as that is what gives you joy. You know, so spending some time really reflecting. And oftentimes if you kind of take it back to your childhood, you know, I would have your listeners kind of close your eyes and just sort of think like, what are those things that you did when you were a kid that just gave you nothing but joy? Like for me, it was riding my bike. Like I said, it was being on a boat. I'm from Seattle and we spent a lot of time on boats. You know, it was cooking chocolate chip cookies, you know. And so those are the things that you want to incorporate consistently into your time. That's where that consistency comes into play. So I will just encourage folks, you know, this isn't about rushing to the finish line, starting strong and then falling off because we all do it. I've done it. This is a journey around discipline and consistency for me for years. And I'm just now starting to get to it, you know, so I consistently tell myself these same things. But that's what I mean. Like, that's what I mean about rest has to be a practice. It is a lifestyle. And for artists, that is so true because so much of what you give is in your heart. Like, you literally are wearing your emotions. You're putting your soul out there for people. That is not easy, especially in today's world where there's so much polarization and hurtness and people are just suffering. And so it's coming out in very destructive and nasty ways. So you have got to retreat. Like you have got to go back to those spaces that are just about joy and doing it consistently is key because that's what's going to allow you to have sustained success and, and just sustain kind of happiness, you know, more holistically. So you ain't looking in the mirror and being like, what am I doing here for? You're not worthy or, you know, you're a failure because none of that is true. It's all lies. It's all that voice coming in and it's the resting. And in those moments that you're able to grapple with those feelings, if that's what you need to do, or just get refilled, just get refueled, just be in community with people who just make you feel good, you know, just make you want to sing, just make you want to dance, like all the beautiful things that artists are able to convey in this world. Yes. My last topic that I want to kind of touch on with you, and before you go into, I want you to tell us about your coaching sessions that are going to be coming up at the beginning of the year. What about this idea? So we're talking about like the idea of resting and really just kind of sw- and switching mindsets and really just kind of keeping your eyes on the prize and being disciplined and being consistent in what it is that you want. How do you reconcile that with, say, if you're an artist who also wants to do certain things and achieve certain milestones, right? So if you want to be like a a parent, for instance, and not necessarily just achieving milestones to achieve milestones, but I'm just, I'm calling them that because in our society, they're called milestones, right? If you want to get married or if you want to have children, if you want to buy a home or if you want to buy a summer home, you know, whatever these goals and milestones that you have for yourself, how as an artist do you plan for those things while also being in such an unpredictable industry? Well, I think there's a couple of things at play here. The predictability of income 
in this industry varies, you know, because if you're on a television show, you got a paycheck coming in every week, you know, and a nice paycheck, you know, versus maybe as somebody who's a screenwriter or a film director where you don't necessarily have those consistent checks, but you may get a big, you know, $100,000 check, $200,000 check that you have to make sure that you, you know, use in a disciplined way to ensure that you're able to support yourself, you know, maintain your livelihood. So whatever it is, I think, again, we get into this mindset because, one of the things that I heard you sort of insinuating is this idea of how do you keep it all in balance, right? Like, you know, I want to be an artist. I want to rest. I want to be a mother. I want to pay my bill. I mean, it's a lot that we're all navigating. How do you keep it balanced? Well, I actually want to blow up this idea of balance. I think balance is bullcrap. I think the idea of maintaining balance is something that we've been fed, but it, we've been bamboozled because I do not think the concept of balance works. And the reason why is this. When I think of balance, I think about a seesaw. Inherently, with a seesaw, in order to make one thing go up, you got to take something away. You kind of got to keep pushing up and giving back. There is a lack mentality in that mindset because, again, in order to have something, you have to take something else away. If, in order to rest, you have to not work. In order to have a house, you, you can't have a, you know, a job where the income isn't you know, consistent. That is not true because <laughs> the reality is there is something called harmony, and the reason why I encourage people to think about creating a sense of, I mean, instilling a place, a sense of harmony in their life, instill a sense of harmony in their life versus balance is this. The definition of harmony, and this is for y'all singers out there, don't, 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 don't come for me, but I'm going to do my best. The definition of harmony is where you have two chords that are existing at the same time, moving simultaneously, progressing forward while making a pleasing sound. The three things simultaneously happen, moving forward, making a pleasing and, and beautiful sound. That idea, harmony, allows for all of those things to exist simultaneously and you can still move forward. So perhaps, yes, you may have to adjust here and there. If you are somebody who wants to buy a house, but you are working you know, at a job where maybe your checks are not as, as consistent, harmony says, okay, from an abundant mindset, all right, who out there can help me navigate the need to manage my money? So that I'm actually setting myself up on a consistent plan to save. Who out there can I go talk to to help me understand, okay, I've got this check coming in. I want to make sure that I have a down payment for a house and I'm able to support myself for the next six months. What other coach can I go get out there that helps me figure out, okay, I have these other goals. I need to make sure my mindset is right to make sure that I'm not operating from a place of fear and a place of lack. So I understand that the universe has abundant resources for me to make all of it happen. And so I think the entire premise of that concept of balance, you're losing. You've already lost because you are approaching everything from a limited mindset. And so one of the big shifts around my teachings in The Power of the Pause is you got to shift to an abundance mindset. Who said you can't have both? I know a lot of people out there who got married, what houses, they're a director, they make, you know, probably get paid twice a year and they're living it up. So what is it about you that's different? The only thing that's different is they, they knew they could and you're telling yourself that you can't. That's it. It's a mindset shift. It's all possible. Now, you may not be able to do them all at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Like there is some truth to like, maybe you might need to, you know, take a TV gig for a little bit in order to make sure you get that down payment for the house. And then you got the house paid for, then you can go back to doing the thing that is a little bit less consistent. You know, maybe you do have to take a little bit of a local job because you want to have a family for the next three years, but then go out and come back. I mean, I'm not telling you guys that, you know, everything can happen at the same time, but it is all possible. I look at someone like Usher, you know, he's doing a residency in Vegas, killing it, mainly because he's trying to be here to take his kids to school. 
Now he's had 20 years of touring the world and, you know, 20 years of living that life. But for now, his priority, harmony, I'm still going to give my gift. I'm still going to make paper, but I'm going to do it in a way that allows me to be there for my kids. It's all about moving and adjusting to the dynamics of what the universe is going to send you because life is unpredictable. But understanding that there are people out there, there are resources out there, there are minds out there bigger than yours maybe more experience in something than yours, they can help you figure it out. And your goal is to find them. That's great. Okay, so Kibi, tell us about these sessions, these group sessions that you're going to be doing at the top of the year. Well, yes. So I do group coaching and I have a couple of cohorts that I'm going to be launching at the top of the year specifically for artists. And so I'm really excited to share with you all about this opportunity because it's, an, it's a chance for a lot of the work that I've been talking about here. How do you think about mindset shifts that are going to allow you to thrive? How do you begin to recognize behaviors thought patterns, you know, attitudes that might be holding you back that may have served you in one season of your life, but as I said, are not helping you have the success and the breakthrough that you want to have. How do you get yourself into a space of accountability? As you said, Bettina, like this, these group coaching sessions are also about bringing a tribe together, bringing people who are in similar places with similar goals and similar commitment level. So you can hold each other accountable. You know, I believe iron sharpens iron. So I will be launching some small group cohorts that my cohorts are kind of six to eight inside size. They will be application-based, but the goal of that is to make sure I'm curating like a, an amazing group of high quality people who have a commitment level and an experience level so that everybody can learn from. Because one of the most amazing elements of group coaching is that the level of complex problem solving is out of this world. And the ability for you to begin to understand that you're not alone like you're not the only one out here struggling with this, is such a deeply, deeply connecting experience that that in itself causes so much transformational breakthrough. So I would just say, you know, if you are not following me, you know, check me out at Kibi Anderson on Instagram or my company name, which is at Life Editor Co. LifeEditor.co is my website. And obviously you can hit me up, DM me. But I'm, if you just search Kibi Anderson, you'll, it'll pop up and you'll find all the ways to access me. But if it's something that you're interested in, you are like, I want to elevate. I'm willing to do that internal work that's necessary for me to take it to the next level. This is absolutely the opportunity for you. More holistically, I speak on these topics. You know, I do corporate trainings. You know, I do corporate teachings on a lot of the concepts I've been talking about. So if you're interested in tapping into some of those services as well, I'd love to be able to help you make sure you are prepared for this next level breakthrough that I know all y'all about to have. I know it. I know it. That's great, Kibi. Thank you so much and have a great rest of the year of 2022. Thank you so much. This is this is great information for us to take as we begin and think about 2023. And thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. Tears to all the rest. <laughs> yes. Listen, say it with me. There is power in that pause, y'all. There is power, power in, in that pause. pause. Say it. Power in that pause. All right. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate the time. Thank you for listening. This has been a So Mind Boggling production. Follow along at So Mind Boggling on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.